I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met. Uh, we're so glad you came out to First Wednesday. Um, tonight, I have a word that is going to be kind of a special word for you, I think. Um, I think God saw the circumstances that were going to get you here, and you're here. And so I'm proud of you. Let's dig in to the Word of God today and find out what He has to say to us. It's always a beautiful thing. When you miss a, a Sunday or you miss a first Wednesday, we always say you miss a first Wednesday, you know, at the peril of your next month because you'll spend a month struggling when God was going to sort it uh, on one night or Sundays particularly. Um, I tell our small group leaders, if your small group doesn't show up on Sunday, you'll, you'll have to help pastor them all week because God does something that's beautiful in the house together that he doesn't do any other place. And so this is one of those times and, and places. So... Our pastor, Peter Haas, says, says this, your current crisis is next month's key. And uh, I was listening to a sermon where he said that this week, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's like a, a message like tonight, I think so. Um, I got some like little things to go through here. Um, I don't know if you saw the kids' spaces. Pop your head in there afterwards. But uh, Tammy and um, I think Kelly and Janine, Tamber and Amy uh, decorated that place out to look like Super Mario Brothers. Everybody's wearing a must mustache in there. The kids love coming to First Wednesday. They're having a blast without you, Mom. They don't need you for a little bit. Um, on the other side of that, please take them home. We're not. We're not. We're into like adopting kids spiritually. Um, yeah. Thank you to everybody who left a, a Google review, a five-star review for this church. I don't know if you know this, but nobody does anything without looking at Google reviews now. And so we always say like, leave a five-star. Don't leave a four-star, please. Um, tell us if there's something wrong. We'd love to fix it. But that five-star review means somebody might get to go to heaven one day because they look, they read what you wrote and, and they're part of, they're like, oh, that story's like my story. And so it's a powerful thing. Thank you for doing that. If you got your phones out right now and did that, that would be, uh, if, if it's your first time here and you're like, I don't know about these guys, just do it by faith. <laughs> All right. Um, I love the family of God. Here's what family does. We rejoice when one person rejoices and we mourn when one person mourns. And so there's kind of always that going on in the body at the same time. And that's what makes it beautiful is that the joy of the Lord is still our strength. Uh, in the good times and in the bad times. And so, um, so last, uh, last first Wednesday, I talked about um, the gift. Like, what do you see when you walk into a room? It might be a gift of God on your life to do something in the world that matters. You know, some people see the person crying in the corner. I see the crooked chair. I'm like, you're sitting in a crooked chair? Let's just... No, I notice things like atmosphere. You are drawn generally towards uh, fixing something that uh, God may have called you to do in the world and to leave the world uh, better than you uh, found it. And so, um, you know, that thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. I talked last um, first Wednesday about how it fits into the body as a whole. Uh, it's not just one part getting blown out of proportion. It is how everybody works together in the family of God. What I didn't want to tell you about, tonight's um, little sermonette is called The Burden and the Burning. I'm talking about Moses and the burning bush, uh, but the burden... And the burning. I, I wanted you to have a, the vision before I told you about the cost. Moses had a vision before God told him about the cost of the vision. Because um, if I told you about the cost, cost, if I told myself about the cost, nobody would actually go for it. But God has to trick you 
by giving you a vision of what could be. And then the cost comes. And so it's going to be great. Um, also, I need to mention tonight that we are doing, uh, in January, we're starting up a Financial Freedom, right when your Christmas money runs out. Financial Freedom, it's a big, small group where you're like, one more depressing January where I spent too much money that I didn't have. God does not want his children worried about bread and about money. Uh, I don't want my kids worried about it, so I taught them about what you can learn in that small group. Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom University. We're offering that here uh, at the church starting in January. That's in small groups. I don't know if they can sign up yet or not. Not yet for it, but keep an eye out for that. We're also going to be starting a Kingdom Builders. That's where business people come together with the church to accelerate the vision that God has given us. As you can see here, like, I don't know what we do if we have more people on a first Wednesday. We're out of space. We're going gone to three services. You can see the vision gap, right? You can see that that gap, uh, we need some things as a church to be able to grow. And it's when the business community comes together, lights fire, like puts gas on the fire of what God is already doing so that we can accelerate the vision and reach more people. Our whole thing right now is like, who doesn't get to go to heaven if we don't get this right? And so um, it's just how much we care about people. All right. Thank you, Sean. Now, Mo Moses was born in a painful time. I think we wish that our childhoods were different. Some of us had ideal childhoods, but nobody had a childhood without pain. Um, I had great pain in my childhood. My, my family was perfect. I mean, you couldn't have a better family uh, except for my brother Ryan. But the... <laughs> just let that sink in. I love my brother Ryan. Um, but yeah, the enemy applied a lot of oppression in my life. And, and um, some of you grew up in stories that, you know, you're thinking like my neighbor would think I'm crazy if I grew up. And I, or I told them how I actually grew up. You thought it was normal until you went to Johnny's house when you were seven. And you're like, this is what a normal family does, you know? Um, but Moses was born in a painful time. He was born in a time when Egypt, uh, Pharaoh was so worried that... The Israelites were outgrowing them in numbers that he had all the babies, uh, all the Israelite babies killed. So that's a tough time. I mean, and Moses is born in this time. His parents wouldn't surrender him to that, but a lot of parents did, you know. So there's, can you ma imagine the ache of the nation and the guilt and the, this is the time that Moses is born into. So she can't even celebrate that this baby is born because if she celebrates, then they'll find the baby. And so this is like this horrendous time in this family. His older sister pushes him out, makes a little boat, and pushes Moses out onto the water and down the Nile River. And by God's great grace, um, the, the Pharaoh, one of Pharaoh's daughters finds him, pulls him in, and adopts him as her own. And then what she does is she goes and says, I need a nanny. And, and the, the, his older sister was there and said, I know somebody, and went and got his mother and brought... The mother, and so the mother got to spend that time as like God redeemed that time for, but then she had to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and maybe he never knew that that was his real mom. So an incredibly painful time. Um, don't regret the pain of the past. It is essential to your future. There is something in there that God can and will redeem that you will look back one day and... It's not like everything that happened to you wasn't terrible. I'm not saying that. But you will look back and say, God redeemed every single thing that ever happened to me back then. God did it, and nobody else can do that. So there's no counseling that can make it okay. There's nothing else. Until you look into the, into the future, and if you could see with God's eyes, he's like, yeah, that's it. Just join a small group. Just start serving. Just 
I've got things I want to do in your life, and I'm going to heal you up, but then I'm going to give you a, a burden and a burning for your future. And you'll never be happy until you get the burden and the, the burning. Many years later when Moses had grown up. So we find out it's 40 years later. Uh, Stephen, the first martyr, told the Sanhedrin he was 40 years old when he went out. He had grown up. He went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. So he knew that he was a Hebrew. He saw how hard they were forced to work. But he's 40 years, years old now. Maybe some of you came to faith in your 40s. And he had everything that the world had to offer. But it wasn't enough. Because he didn't have a call of God yet. And he didn't have a, a, a burden and a burning. And so he, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses did what you would do and killed the Egyptian and buried the body in the sand. So this is a lot. That's not... It's not like movies where it just like pans away and then you come back and the body is in the sand. You know, I don't know if you've heard Nate Bargatze's, uh, he's like a Christian comedian. He's ridiculously funny, but he talks about digging the most important hole of your life. And this was the most important hole of Moses' life. And <laughs> that takes some time. And so this whole thing is, ha is happening. Um, he didn't understand his call yet and tried to affect a supernatural change by natural means. And that's what we do before the, the, burning, uh, the burden and the burning is we try to affect in the, in the natural, and I'm preaching about the Holy Spirit coming up in a, the series called The Power Plant. We try to affect change in the natural that could only be really affected in the supernatural. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. Uh, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? You're like, where, why? I'm trying to help you out. You ever try to help somebody and they're like, who died and made you boss? My mom used to say you did. He says, uh, who appointed you? He, was, he needed to get used to hearing that. The same... The same Hebrews, that's what they kept for 40 years in the wilderness that was coming. Like, who appointed you? Who, di who died and made you boss, Moses? It's funny that that started here. He says, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? He's like, uh oh. And then Moses was afraid, thinking everybody knows what I did. Rejected by the very people that he was sent to save. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. This is a complicated family. Like, thanks, Grandpa. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's complicated. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he went to the Starbucks and hung out there. So, or the 7-Eleven or whatever. I'd say Tim Hortons, but I don't really love the coffee there. He went and sat down by the well. So, I don't love the coffee, but I drink it because it's cheap. Um, so, this might be somebody here, you grew up in church, even. And there was a call of God on your life when you were young. All this potential, you know, he wanted to change the world. He had the gift and the call, but he did not have the character yet. He thought he could force his way. He thought that he was special. Now, the thing about God's kids is that we're all special, but you can't think of yourself as all that special. You got to wait for your father to tell you, like, you're special. But look, your fridge drawing is not great. <laughs> So he's like, ooh, 
Yeah, let's recycle that. But you're special to God, right? So it's this whole thing. Like, you're like, I'm, I'm a good singer. I want to be on the worship team. I'm like, that's great, but angels sing better than we sing. We're just trying to lead people into, I'm like, just, we're special to God just because God is special. Now, it's only natural to use the gift and call of God. This is what he was trying to do really on yourself. Who made you a, you know, a prince over us? So there's something in his manner that might suggest that. The character to use it to serve other people requires pain and, ready? Lengthened seasons of disappointment lengthened like when you can't take it anymore it goes on for a lot longer than you thought lengthened disappointment lengthened waiting lengthened pain where it breaks down all the things you thought you were good at that mattered where it breaks down the strength of your mind the stronger of, of a mind you have the longer you just take the break but break you will you just need a, a lengthened time it is God's grace on your life don't hate it. The loneliness, the it is prolonged seasons of time in your life. I mean, when Moses' dream does come true and he's finally in charge of millions of people, guess what he gets to hear all the time? Like, who died and made you boss? By a million jerks. So if God would fulfill the dream that he gave you a long time ago, be careful because the platform weighs more than the wilderness does. So he murders a guy, he flees, and then God pun punishes him by living around six uh, sister-in-laws. Um, years passed. It says he went to Midian. He married one of the daughters of, of uh, the priest of Midian. He mi married one of his daughters who had uh, six sisters. And that's going to be a long 40 years right there. 40 years passed. No wonder he's out with the sheep, man. I would be out with the sheep the whole time. I would be like, I'm just wandering around car dealerships. I'm like, you guys, you guys need any cars? <laughs> or I'd be digging the most important hole of my life. Um, <laughs> six of the most important holes in my life. Okay. Sorry. Sister law jokes. Okay. 40 years passed. The king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Now, we've talked in church that God acts through humans now. It's not that he, he is supernaturally unable to act, but he gave the world to humans. So human effect happens through humans. Generally, that's how that works now. And so he knew it was time to act. And so Moses is here, 40 years. You know, he settled in his career finally. Um, I, guess, I guess this is it, is what he told himself. I don't know if you've told yourself this. You just, you were sad when you told it to yourself. You're like, I guess this is it for my life. We'll just buy a new car and go to the movies. You know, like, we'll just watch a lot of sports, uh, join a knitting club. Which, you got to watch, Amy was telling me, some of these knitting clubs are super toxic. So watch it. If you're thinking of putting your kids in knitting clubs, talk to Amy, because some of them are just crazy, apparently. This is news to me. I just found out about this. I'm like, toxic knit? Okay. Another cup of tea? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious now. I would love some video of this. 
You know, it's like you just buy that vacation property, you just go traveling, you just like, I guess this is it. This is all there is for my life. You know, and then you start looking around at your peers and you're like, well, at least I'm doing better than, you know, and then it kind of makes it easier, an easier pill to swallow in that sense. But, but God's not done with you. God didn't forget about the call that he gave Moses. It came from God. And God's not going to forget about you, even though you've felt unseen for 40 years. Tonight could be your burning moment, I think. Did you settle and lose the curiosity and wonder or the sense of more that you used to have? Moses' dream had finally died, but it had died to himself, and maybe that's what God was waiting for. Because God didn't dream about Moses saving people. God dreamed about God saving people. God didn't dream about making you great. God made about, or dreamed about using you to help somebody get free. Exodus 3, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Can you imagine like the depression of like, let's walk through a bunch of sand and find food for a bunch of sheep, you know, or whatever he had. He's 80 years old. Do we have any? No. Sorry, they probably can't hear. Do we have any? Okay. Listen, it is never too late for God to fulfill what he... He can light a fire in you and he can do it in a short period of time. Even though you feel like you've wasted all of this time. God can still do what God called you to do. He can still do it through you. It's not too late. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. So Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. He, he said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must, and most passages say, turn aside to see it. I, I, I hope this is a period, not just tonight, in your life where you actually turn aside to see it. Because if your schedule keeps pulling you away from it. See, he had nothing else to do but the sheep. But even then he had the sheep and he turned away from the sheep to the burning bush. Now, something in this is fascinating to Moses. Because Moses used to be like the burning man. But it consumed him in anger. Here is something that is on fire. See, God wants you to be on fire but not consumed. Like on fire with a consuming fire, but it's not burning you up because you don't have the character that is gold. He wants the fire to burn away all the impurities, and that's what the 40 years were about. What has God lit on fire that you are not turning aside to see? properly because that's where the call is we can see what God is doing here have you turned aside to see it or are you still attending are you still watching from afar you got to decide I know I'm going to turn aside now this here is it's going to I'm going to have to trust God with whatever this is right now and I'm going to turn aside because the best thing for this is this when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father. He's like, your real father, not Pharaoh. Your real father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. No matter what sort of family you were born into, God has a whole other heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he has called you to, his own special people, reserved for himself. 
When he heard that, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Too many people look at God too directly now, I think. Why? Because we want Jesus to be our homeboy and our best, our best friend, right? He, no, Jesus is the prince of all the universe. There has to be some awe and respect where we're like, I'll cross whatever line as, as long as you allow me to, but there's a line that I will not cross against you in buddy, buddy, how come... Christmas baby Jesus, how come you didn't give me everything I want? No, there has to be this like, this respect and awe. The Lord told him, Moses, you have a gift. You're so special. You were born special. I see intelligence when I look in your eyes. Your heart is beautiful. I want to make you the most famous man on earth. I want to give you a career. In TikTok. <laughs> I want everybody to know Moses. You ready? Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Israel. Can you feel the oppression out there when you drive to work and when you are at Tim Hortons? Can you feel the oppression that people are living under? I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. The devil, I mean, he tricks you and brings you in, but then he hurts. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Look, the cry of the people has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. He doesn't talk about the call. Ready? He goes straight to the burden. And that's what some of you are missing. You've been looking for your gift, but you shouldn't look for your gift. You should look for your burden. Because your gift has to do with your burden. You've been carrying something around with you a long time, pain from the past. Don't you understand? The gift is in it. You've been trying to walk away from it. You got past it. God's like, no, no, no. Where you came from, you're with people now. They're not your people. These are your people. The broken ones. The hurting ones. This is, he goes straight to the burden. What is your burden? We have, uh, we have Zoom calls with different ARC pastors as the group we're with. Great guys, really great people. And uh, one who's just planting a church, the way he was talking, like, hey, come on, to, you know, come on, like, try church out. Let's find your call, let's find your gift. And, and the, those of us who have been in the game a few years were like, because mm. if we find your gift, it's going to be about you. Let's find your burden. Let's find your burden. Your burden keeps you around. Your burden keeps you faithful. The burden helps you go through pain. Your gift is like, well, my, my gift's not being appreciated here. It's like, well, no, it was never about your gift. It was about the burden. It was about the, the burden your gift was supposed to lift from somebody. The burden and the burning. Your calling always has to do with your people burden. Always. There is a people that God has called you to. You've been trying to escape them sometimes. You've been like, I'd rather wander around out here. I'd rather go back and live in Pharaoh's palace. But there's still a burden that until you take up the call of God, you're never going to be happy. Now go, he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to the Lord. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel? 
out of Egypt. Then he complains, and God sends his brother Ryan. <laughs> he complains, he's worried, he's insecure. He goes through the whole gamut of like, I'm nobody out here. And God's like, I know, but I'm somebody. Yeah. God replies to Moses, watch this. He says this, Moses said, who am I? To lead these people out. Who am I that God would call me to help people? Who am I? And God replies to Moses, I am who I am. You want to find meaning? Everybody's like, oh, find your purpose in, in yourself. I don't think you can find it in yourself. I don't think that's where it is. I just need to find myself. What does that even mean? I need to find myself. That's why kids don't go to work. Like, boss, I didn't show up today. I was trying to find myself. Like, we just tried to find money. That's what we're finding. Like, we got a little girl's dresses cost money. Somebody say amen. Find yourself. You can't find yourself without the I am who I am. And you could be who I am, actually. That's what God is saying. It's not about who you are. It's about who God is. Who am I, God? Great response. I am who I am, God says to you. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And then things get really confusing. He's like, that's not even really a name. <laughs> he goes through the whole thing. They're not going to believe me. This is crazy. I'm unqualified. I ran away in shame last time. I literally murdered a guy. God's like, yeah, I can redeem that too. Even the sin that you committed against somebody else. God's like, yeah. That doesn't mean I haven't called you. I can forgive you. I can heal you. I can bring redemption in. Greater far than the damage you ever did. Why are you still thinking about that? Have you repented and gone in the other direction? Then the Lord lift that spirit of shame off of you. And that spirit of condemnation. Guilt is to turn you to repent. But then guilt goes away. And it is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Shame is a gift from the devil. Don't open it. Hey, you remember what you did? You remember who you remember who you? No, I don't. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my sins from me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The gift is always for the burden. The pain in the wilderness is for strength to shoulder the burden. He had no strength in his shoulders before the wilderness. But the burden weighs a lot. It will, the cross will cut you. The strength you learn in the wilderness times is the strength that he was going to need for the gift and the calling and the burden. That strength got Israel through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. That strength he learned from his own 40 years in the wilderness. Red Sea's parting only takes a moment. But listen, so does hitting an iceberg. The wilderness is to avoid the iceberg. You know, I thought I would be preaching by the time I was like 19. Man, I was going to be the next Charles Finney, and it's sad that most of you don't know who that is. I'm not even sure I know who that is anymore. He was a revivalist. And I felt a call of God on my life at the time. And then my dad said, hey, I got you a job at home. You owe me $5,000 for a car I bought you. 
and I got a job for you. And I thought that I would be going into ministry at the time, which as I look back now is hilarious, but I had a burning, but I had no character. See, God gave me the vision even back then that then had to take a couple of decades or more to die to myself because it was about me in the beginning. You would never say that, but that's where your character would leave it. And um, God didn't mention to me the pain that was going to come in those decades. And he doesn't mention the wilderness too much because nobody would go into it. If you knew that, oh, no, this is not an 11-day journey like it could have been. This might be 40 years for you, Moses. It might take some time. Now, what I've planned on doing, it depends on how well the people respond to it because the burden always has to do with the people. If it was just about your gift, you'd just be like, I'm taking 11 days and going, and whoever can come can come. And I will go plant my own church. It will be the church of Moses, and we will be awesome. And y'all can die in the wilderness if that's what His burden was with his people. He couldn't leave his people. God actually said to him one time, Moses, get away from these people. I'll wipe them out, and I'll make a nation out of you. And he's like, heck no. These are my people, my burden. Turn away from your wrath, O oh God. How many times was Moses in between Israel and the judgment? Remember he tells Aaron that one time a plague breaks out among the people because they're all a bunch of stupid idiots. And a plague breaks out and it's wiping them out. God's like, I can't protect that out there. Boom, plague breaks out and he's like, Moses, run with the censer. Run, or Aaron, run with the censer. And he runs and he stands between the living and the dead. I mean, how many times did Moses get between and Aaron get between And over the years, my people burden increased. It's why I see a lot of you here today, actually. Because you are the very people that I used to work with. And my people burden increased. How can people ignore God? Well, how can they hear without a preacher? How can they know unless somebody builds a church that they might go to? How can they, and the burden over time, deepened and deepened until we got to the place where we are now, where we're like, we know who we are called to reach. And it's you. Communion, uh, we're going to take up communion now, but communion is to remember and share the burden and the broken body of Jesus. If you reach under your seats, there's communion cups and wafers there. It's not to let Jesus just bear the burden, it's to bear the cross with Jesus and say, I remember this and this is going to be the story of my life too in a much smaller way. As he was resurrected and saved many, so I think you could be resurrected and saved many by the grace of Christ as well. And what a gift, thank you. Thanks, Renee. Thank you. Now, let me explain communion. Communion is something that if you've given your life to Jesus, um, it's for you uh, to do. You don't have to be perfect to take communion. Um, but you do need to have committed your life to Jesus. And if you haven't done that yet, we, we will just go and get prayed for, and we can do that right there as well. And then we'll give you communion. We'll give you 10 communions if you do that. It's even better. Um, so, so I don't know if you know the Lockhart's or not. Lee and Tammy. Uh, yeah. We prefer Tammy. Uh, 
They both have the gift of sarcasm, so they work out really well here. Um, I didn't ask if I could share this, but they, 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 they like I've had experiences, they, they um, not too long ago visited another uh, church where somebody in their family was getting baptized or something like that. I should have got this, should have nailed this down, getting baptized. And they were giving communion out there. And I, I, I'm trying to say this in the fear of the Lord in that sense, because I don't want to like berate churches, you know, because I think people... I think every church is great that is preaching the word of God. But let's not lose our way a little bit because they spent more time trying to keep people out of communion because they didn't believe every single little thing along the way of all of their particular theology. Let's keep the main thing the main thing and not try to build a church that keeps people out because they don't believe what we believe. No, the whole purpose of the church is to bring unbelievers in who don't believe in anything at all. And be like, hey, we're family. Give it time. You'll start seeing that God's way is the best way. Yeah. Like, right. let's start with meeting Jesus if we could. Yeah. Once you meet Jesus, he will start changing you from the inside out. Consecration, yeah. reconciliation. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to work all the crap out. But as they were there and I was talking with them, I don't know how many experiences I've had of that as well. That I'm like, it almost feels like some places are working hard to keep people out. And it became a burden to my soul because I grew up and my friends went to most of those types of places. And I'm like, what are we doing? Are we helping Jesus? Or are we like, hey, you, you're not welcome here because you don't look like us and you don't think like us and you don't believe all the things and you're doing stuff that we don't do. And that burden also deepened as well so that we look the way that we look now because I'm like, if you make me pick, we're still going to pick the person who doesn't know Jesus. We're still going to pick that person and be like, hey, you're welcome. Let's. Everybody else, you know, it's like kids in the back seat, like, get along with each other. <laughs> Have some communion back there. <laughs> but it's a burden. We're not going to get angry about the burden. The burden is our gift and our call. Yeah. If there was no burden, you would have no reason to be here. Everybody got mad at COVID. Come on, our worship team. Pastors would get mad at COVID until God's like, well, um, the burden went up. You have enough job description for the rest of your life and then a whole lot of other lives too that doesn't make you happy and I realized oh oh yeah I'm not saying everything in COVID happened was great I'm not saying that at all I think it hurt I think people are hurting but I have more burden than I ever had before because there's more people that are hurting than there ever were before it's what gets me up in the morning and then I started thanking God for it and saying thank you God that I have a place for the gift to help the people with the burden. Thank you, God, for the burden. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, made it into tiny little wafers that looked like plastic. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble. This is communion. And said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you partake of the bread with me? In the same way, he took the cup of wine after his supper. This is not wine. Don't get excited. Saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's, what? The Lord's death until he comes again. You are announcing the Lord's burden, which included you. 
Without his burden, you wouldn't be here. You'd have no hope for the future. You'd have no redemption of your past. You'd have no heaven. You'd have nothing. You are his burden. The gift of God that we're going to be into Christmas time soon. The great gift of God was the burden. He came for the people of the earth, and we are the burden. And it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. So if God is speaking to you, I think that some of us have not appreciated the past the way that we need to. You're like, don't make me say it. God asked me to say it one time. Thank me for what's happening. For this? I can thank him now for it, but that's in that moment, that's a that's a tough gig. Thank you right now for this. It's like, yeah, thank me in faith for it. Thank me because I have great and precious promises that I've planned for you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Not just you to give everybody around you a future and a hope too. And I think if God is speaking to you, what we do now is we just sing some songs, we turn the music down a bit. It's going to be hard because you can't hide with the new sound system. It's going to be loud over there. My mom's going to be like, turn the music down. And I'm going to be like, turn the music back up. But prayer team, just yell pray. And um, somebody needs to do a little bit of work with the Lord because I think you've been looking for healing in this way. This is what I'm feeling like. You've been hoping God would make you forget it. That's not what God is talking about. God is trying to sew you back up and heal you from the inside out. Not so you forget it, but so that you help somebody else with it. Who could help somebody that grew up in your childhood better than you? And I think that, does that make sense anyway? Yeah. I think even the regrets of the past that you've done, I think what we have to do is just get to this place of, I'm going to give that to you, God, because even in my mistakes... God, surely I could help somebody who's going to make that same mistake or who has. Maybe I can be the, maybe we could be the church that would welcome them back in instead of kicking them back out. No, we're not going to lie to them and be like, hey, that's okay. No, it's not okay. And it hurt. But welcome. Let's work it out. But this is what the Bible says. And somebody else is just in a wilderness time. You're in the time of waiting and you don't know what to do. And you're at the end of yourself. And all you've got is a story that you've told yourself about why you're here. You might just need to get prayed for. And I think the prayer team will specifically probably speak to you. And then the prayer team is going to do what we always ask them to do. Give you something to do. You can't just pray about something and walk out. you got to remember what your face looked like in the mirror, which means you got to do the word of God when he says to you. So what we do is we just line up across the back there. And there's always somebody directing traffic. You can always talk to my dad, Pastor Rich, right there. And uh, we're going to have our prayer team line up over there. If you're hurting, broken, any of the things I've been talking about, you just need somebody to pray with you. You need a hug. You need to tell somebody your story. Just start heading over there right now. We're just going to sing some worship songs. Um, we always end at like 830-ish. Um, and we got, uh, I wanted to make sure we had some good time for ministry uh, time tonight here. But we're going to take some time and just let the Lord minister uh, to you. Sit and cry if that's what you need to do. Uh, do whatever you need to do just to spend some time with the Lord. But I think that a lot of us just need to get prayed for tonight. So.